But anyway, we've been in a series, and the title of it is God Cares. And like I just stated when, I, when we were talking about um, Florida and, and the Carolinas, is we live in a world that is not as God created it. You know, how many of you would have liked to live in the Garden of Eden? Come on. You know what I'm saying? It, um, I mean, it was just like, I mean, you think fruit's good here now. If you could have had it then, you'd have just been like, oh, this is incredible. It, but, but if we don't watch it, what we do is we judge God in the light of what is going on in the natural world around us. And we look and we say, well, God, if you're in charge and if, you're, if, if all of this, the Bible says in 1 John that Satan is the God of this natural world. But if we call out, you say, well, how did he become that? When Adam and Eve bowed their knee to sin, it opened the door for him to come through and to do just craziness. But as God's people call, God moves in. But specifically when we talk about the stuff that's going on, maybe in our lives right now, is that God loves every one of us and he cares about every area of our life. And as we read his word, what we find out is primarily the way that he works is he gives us specific promises in regard to specific areas of our life based on our areas of need that we have in our life. And, and, and realize this, that God will not override the human will. He, I mean, sometimes I wish he would. How many of you wish when you were about to do something stupid, God would just step in and say, nope, you're not doing it. You know what I'm saying? But then we learn a lot from that, do we not? We, 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 learn, we learn a lot, but what God wants us to do when we talk about his promises based on the areas of our need is he wants us to agree and identify with his, uh, with his promises which are in his word or in agreement with the Bible and over our life in spite of facing maybe a situation that is the opposite of what he's promised. And, and understand, if we, and I, I feel like I need to qualify this, is um, our primary purpose in creation is a relationship with God. That's our primary purpose in creation. And our, since our primary purpose is a relationship with him, is we seek him first and we seek the promises second. We don't seek the promises and not God. How many of you know he's not a sugar daddy? Are you with me? He's not just God just, no, we seek because our relationship with him is what makes us whole. Our relationship with him is what gives us proper perspective. Our relationship with him is what gives us peace and joy and strength. And, 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 it, and actually what it does is what I've noticed is that when we seek him first, he he gives us the ability to stand in route to um, experiencing his favor, his, his, his care, his promises, and, and he, he, he basically equips me because I've sought him first, and that relationship fuels me as I'm in route to that promise that maybe I'm anchoring on in his life. And, you know, when I think about this, is, or when I say this, is I think in talking about this, there's one word that I believe affects us experiencing all that God has, just one word, and I know that there's more, but one that is paramount that he talks about over and over again, and it's the word forgiveness. 
Everybody say forgiveness. For, forgiveness. I can't possibly think of a topic that, it, that affects us experiencing his presence, his favor, his care, his promises more than that one word, and it's the word forgiveness. It, you know, and, and, and I think that what we're going to do today is we're going to focus on and talk about forgiveness. It's one of the most powerful things that we can do that affects our health spiritually, emotionally, psychologically, physically. It probably more than we realize how much it affects us. And when I bring up the topic of forgiveness, I'm going to not, I don't want to overgeneralize, but I kind of am, is, um, is I think that when you bring up the topic of forgiveness, there's usually three ditches that people fall into in this area of forgiveness. Is the first one is we love God, we get wronged. How many of you know what, how many of you got wrong this week? How many of you know what I'm saying? This week. Okay, where do the rest of you live? No, I know what it is. I know what it is. Y'all are super forgiving, so you just forgot it. How many of you are with me on that? That's it. But we, 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 we get wronged, and then we get resentful, and then we get unforgiving. It, and, and so what happens is somebody does us wrong, we get resentful, and then we get unforgiving. That's kind of the first ditch. The second ditch is we love God, we get wronged, we, we forgive the person, but we still remember it, and Satan uses it because we remember it, and he says, well, if you really forgave them, then you wouldn't remember it, and so he uses it to beat us up, and we're gonna find out that God, when you forgive, sometimes some of the things, some of the things we grow through in forgiveness was because of an experience, and so we flash back to that experience, but the barbs and the hooks have been burned off. How many of you know what I'm saying? And so Satan will use it to beat us up, telling us, well, if you'd forgiven them, you would have just forgotten it. And the next type of unforgiveness or the, the third ditch is what I call transferred unforgiveness. Transferred unforgiveness is when we pick up other people's beef. We pick up other people's offense because something happened to them and then they share it with us and we start getting it. How many of you know what I'm saying? And we're just like, oh my gosh, I just, you know what I'm saying? And so we get this transfer thing and through the association and now we got a burr under our saddle, so to speak in regard to that person or in regard to that, that situation. And I realize that sometimes we need to process, and I'm not saying that in order to let go, but I've noticed this, is there's very few people that are spiritually healthy enough to do the right thing and not pick up when we get burned. How many of you know what I'm saying? There's very, very few people that are like that. You know, I have, um, I got a, I have a, a barbell up here. It's only 12 pounds. It's only 12 pounds. How many of you can lift 12 pounds? Let me just see your hand. Say, I, I, can, I can lift. I can, I can lift 12 pounds. How many? Try it again. How many of you can lift 12 pounds? Let me just see your hand. Okay, Jake, do me a favor. Come up here. I want you to come up. I, 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 want, you to, I want you to come up here, Jake, and I want you to just kind of just stand right here, okay? Everybody give Jake a shout. Come on. Okay. Now, Jake, what I want you to do is grab this barbell. No, just one. Put, nope, right there. Just grab that baby. Ken, I want you to stick your arm straight out and just hold it right there. Just hold it. Just stay there for a few minutes. Okay, just stay there. Uh, 
How many of you know that 12 pounds is easy? 12, pound, 12 pounds is easy. And, um, and tw- you know, when you think about somebody doing us wrong, it's justified to be ticked a little bit. Are you not with me? We, we, can, we, 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 can, we can just, how are we doing, Jake? You're, you're, you're good. It's, it's justified. And what, what happens is, is it look like just, a, oh, this isn't that big of a deal. And then you get around it. And what I notice is this, is when we pick up unforgiveness, the longer we hold on to it, the more of our attention that it gets. And it used to be really easy. It used to just be, oh, that isn't a big deal. But what happens is, is the longer we hold it, what happens is, notice it's beginning. That's smart. That's smart. Let me just say this. That's what we do with unforgiveness. We modify our life to cater to it. We, 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 you're, 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 you're good, Jake. You're, you're good. Just, just, just keep. Oh, Jake, we're not done, man. You gotta, we're done. Go ahead and sit down. Go ahead and sit down. Give him a hand. See, the longer we hold on to it, the more draining it becomes. And before it wasn't that big of a deal. But after a while, it begins to consume our entire attention. We begin to see life through it. We begin to judge people through it. We begin to build things around it in our life. I want to look at something the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 2. And I want to just give you a little background. We're going to start reading in verse 5. But um, the Apostle Paul is the one that pioneered the church in Corinth. There was initially three um, letters to the Corinthian church. They lost one. And so we only have two of those letters. And, um, but in 1 Corinthians, what you find out is that there was somebody in the church that and realized that the Corinthian church would have been like the San Francisco church. How many of you are with me when, you, when I say that? You know what I'm saying? Just incredibly over the edge um, in every sense of the word. But they responded to the gospel. They gave their life to the gospel. But in the course of time, there was a young man who had a stepmother and he decided to take his stepmother from his dad. And so he took his stepmother from his dad and he was cohabitating with the stepmother. And, um, and basically they're shacked up and, and some of the people in the church are like, this is wrong. You can't do this. But other people are like, oh, it's not that really that big of a deal. It's, it, you know, it's none of your business. It's their personal life, that kind of a thing. And, um, and so some of the people were bugged and, but they didn't do anything. And so Paul writes to them and he basically gives them direction. And he says, you know what? That's wrong. And you know what you need to do is discipline that person and kick them out of the church until they repent. Um, How many of you know that's a little different than today? But that's what they did. That is what they did. And so they, they, they kicked him out of the church. And by the time we're reading second Corinthians comes around is this person has repented and they've made it right. And they've got it right. And in verse five, he said, it says this, he said, I'm not overstating it when I say that the man who caused all the trouble hurt all of you more than he hurt me. Most of you opposed him and that was punishment enough. Now, however, it is time to forgive and comfort him. Otherwise, he may be overcome by discouragement. 
So I urge you now to reaffirm your love for him. I wrote to you as I did to test you and to see if you would fully comply with my instructions. He's referring to when they told him you need to leave until, unless you repent. Verse 10, when you forgive this man, I forgive him too. And when I forgive whatever needs to be forgiven, I do so with the authority, with Christ's authority for your benefit. Now look at verse 11. So that Satan will not outsmart us for we are familiar with his evil schemes. Look at the statement there that unforgiveness is a scheme. Unforgiveness is a demonic plan. Unforgiveness is a strategy of Satan to screw up our life. It's a strategy of the enemy. Forgiveness is the greatest gift we can give ourselves or the greatest trap that Satan uses to disrupt our life. He will disrupt our life with it. And I think it's also, I believe, one of the most challenging things when we've been wronged. Are you with me? It's one, of, it's one of the most challenging things, especially if you're one of those people that have a right and wrong bone. How many of you know what I'm saying? You're just like, that's a, that, I got a right bone and that's just wrong. How many of you are with me on that? How many of y'all got right bones? How many, I won't ask you if you got a wrong bone. <laughs> but you just got, you know what I'm saying? And, um, and, I, and, 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 that, and that, ain't, that just ain't right. Look at what it says in Galatians 6, verse 1 and 2. This is the Amplified. It says, brethren, sister, and that's everybody. If any person is overtaken in misconduct or sin of any sort, you who are spiritual, and look at this, who are responsive and controlled by the Spirit, capital S, Holy Spirit, should set them right and restore and reinstate them. That's the motive without any sense of superiority and with all gentleness, keeping an attentive eye on yourself, lest you should be tempted also. Now look at verse two. Bear, endure, and carry one another's burdens and troublesome moral faults, and in this way fulfill and observe perfectly the law of Christ, the Messiah, and complete what is lacking and your obedience to it. Now, what I want you to notice is what is the law of Christ? He said, I give you a new commandment that you, the old covenant had 10 laws, 10 commandments. The new covenant, he said, love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. So look at what he said. He said that we fulfill and observe perfectly the law of Christ when we forgive, when we let it go, the Messiah. And then look at this statement and complete what is lacking and your obedience to it. God looks at us and he said, when you forgive and let stuff go, what you're actually doing is completing your obedience to the law that Jesus gave to do to others how you would have done to you to love your brother as yourself. He said, and, I, it's, and let me just throw this in there. He knows it isn't easy, but what he's saying is, is you are 
are stepping outside of your flesh, of your right and wrong bone. You're stepping outside of it and you're saying, Lord, I realize that you said that the mark of a disciple is their love. The mark of a disciple is them to walk in love. And for me now to complete what is lacking in my commitment, it's not just my words, God, that you see, but it's my heart that you see when people do me wrong, how I handle it. He said, you are actually completing what is lacking and your obedience to the law, to the, to the, to the law of Christ, which is, which is the, to love your neighbor as yourself. See, forgiveness is a muscle that if we're not careful, it can atrophy and affect every part of our being. Muscles have to be worked. They gotta be worked. They, they, they have to be worked. And we got, we got to use it sometimes, usually every day. We got to use that muscle every day. Look at what Jesus said in the Lord's Prayer. And many of you, um, and you could read the whole Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6, 9 through verse 13. But look at verse 11 says this, give us today the food we need. Now look at verse 12. And forgive us our sins. Now look at this statement. As we have forgiven those who sin against us. We see the word forgive is, okay, I have no consequence. I'm forgiven. But when you look it up in the original Greek, the word forgive means to release from a tendency. We all got bends. How many of you have ever repented of the same? Oh, no, let me just say this. Let me just say this. How many of you got a struggle and you've repented more than once over that same struggle, over that same struggle? The forgiveness of God gives us the ability to straighten that bend out over time. It, it just, just goes over time. He said that my ability to overcome my tendencies in life is directly linked to how I dish out forgiveness to other people. He said, God forgives you, he forgives, but, uh, but realize, and then look at what it says in verse 13. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. It's not an accident that verse 13 Jesus was right in the same topic and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us and don't let us yield to temptation but rescue us from the evil one. When Jesus was teaching on faith in God and seeing God move mountains in our life, for Mark 11, 23 through verse 25, he basically said, you know, I tell you the truth, you can say to this mountain, be lifted up, thrown into the sea, and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. Verse 24, I tell you, you can pray for anything, and if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. But then verse 25, but when you are praying, first forgive anyone who you are holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. See, God is like, okay, you got to realize, kids, this is huge. This is huge. Some of us are, we are like, you know what I'm saying? We got white gloves on when it comes to getting around sin. But we swallow 
five-gallon buckets of unforgiveness and resentment. And we're like, Jesus, I love you. He's like, yeah, but you hate that person. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, but you ain't got over that. Yeah, but every time you think about them, you pull them up, punch them five times, and then set them back down. How many of you know what I'm saying? And God's like, let's work there. How many of you are with me on that? <laughs> uh, Ephesians 4.32, instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Understanding and embracing the forgiveness of God in our lives it is what gives us proper perspective of God in our life. And I wanna, I'm running out of time, so I'm gonna jump ahead. But I wanna just talk about, give you five things of what forgiveness is and what forgiveness isn't. Number one is this, is it's a decision because we value our own health. I'm gonna say it again. It's a decision because we value. I know we love God, and, and, but realize this. God never asks us to do something that is not because it affects our own health. He, he asks us to do it because it has a direct impact on our own health. You know, and, and, and I think if we really break it down, forgiving other people blesses you. It blesses you. It just, it, it lifts, it lifts your life. Sounds kind of selfish, but it's true. It's not just because, and I, let me be super, super clear. I'll forgive them, but they need to do some penance. <laughs> no, no, they don't need to do any penance. Forgiveness, and we'll talk about, there's a difference between forgiveness and trust. There's a difference, but we can forgive everybody. It, we can just forgive them. Whether they earn it, whether they deserve it, whether I like it or not, I can forgive them. Number two is this. The forgiveness decision is many times followed up with a process. It's followed up. Okay, God, I'm making a decision. How many of you, you you've been wronged, you made a decision, but you still got some funky feelings toward them. Let's just be honest. You know what I'm saying? You say, okay, I, I, I forgive them. But Lord, help me fill my mind because you know what I'm saying? I don't want to run into them at Lowe's. How many of you are with me on that? But I forgive them. Are you, are you with me? I just forgive, I forgive them, but Lord, why don't you move them to another state? How many of you are with me on that? It's I, I, I forgive them, but, but what, what it is is you say, well, what do you mean by that decision? Many times is followed up with a process. What can I do that will help me get past and over this in my life? What practical thing can I do? Something practical that takes my attention away from the situation and moves me on in the right direction. Something that you can just stop. You know, I'm running out of time, but I want to tell a story. Can I tell you a story? Yeah. <laughs> um, um, uh, I'm, I'm conservative. You know what I'm saying? And the church has a plow truck. Uh, it's a... I mean, that thing will push snow. It's a four by four, uh, dually. It's our church plow truck. And um, someone said the tires are getting low, you know, wearing down on this. And so we got to get tires, you know. And well, we don't drive a whole lot, you know what I'm saying? Well, they're bought, you know, so I said, okay. And so they came back and they gave me a price on the tires. And I thought, that's ridiculous because it takes six tires because you know what I'm saying? And I go out and I look and I'm like, well, there's only four of them that are bad. The other ones look pretty good. So I call, I, I'm like, let me see. And so 
who I call. And, um, and there's a place in South Bend that was like, oh yeah, they were like $250 cheaper for the tires. And so I'm like, well, shoot, I'm, I'll, I'll, come down, I'll come down there. They're like, well, we don't have them. We got to order them. And so I said, okay. So um, we go down there and, and um, they, took, they, they emailed me, said, we got the tires. And we go, I go down there, I drive the truck there. And, um, and, and when I drive the truck there, <laughs> I pull up and, um, and, there, and the guy says, well, you need six tires. I said, no, I don't. Look, those are good. They said, oh, no, we will only replace six tires. I said, well, when I talked to the guy, he said, you just need four, and he ordered me four. And he looked at me, and he said, my guys didn't say that. You're lying. To me. (laughs) (sighs) My mother-in-law was with me. She's like, you know Because she's going to pick me up. She, just, she looks at him and she says, he's a minister. <laughs> I'm like, and the guy didn't, just didn't flinch. He's like, he's not telling the truth. To me. Oh. How many of you have been torqued? Come on. No. Now look, see what you're doing right now is your sharing in my offense. I'm bringing you right alongside. <laughs> and I sat there and I was like, I, could, I felt myself. How many of you are with me like that? I felt myself. Dear Lord, I'm like, I need to talk to a man. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm doing this. And the Lord says to me on the inside, let it go. I said, Lord, I'm not feeling it. How many of you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and I went into the store and I'm doing this thing in the store and I'm like, I, my, in the back of my mind, I'm like, you should just go talk to the manager. Talk to the manager. Talk to the manager. And the Lord said, don't do it. <gasps> but, and I could justify it. I said, Lord, he's going to ruin their business. I love this company. And all, so I'm going to help him because he's terrible public relations. You know, he, he should be washing people's dogs in the back room. How many of you know what I'm saying? <laughs> he should not be with... Finally, I just... Say, how long did it take you? It was a process. You know what I'm saying? And the dude that saw him say that to me looked at him like, are you serious? Did you just say that to him? And, and I was just like... And I know some of the people in the store. Matter of fact, one of the managers in the store goes to church here. Oh, oh, how many of you are with me on that? I'm going to text them. <laughs> What's your, I want a picture of you. I'm just going to text. <laughs> but you say, what did you do? I just said, okay, Lord, I forgive them. I let it go. Now I don't even know what the person looks like. I just walk, you know what I'm saying? I don't even know what the person looked like. Three, forgiveness is not denying our feelings, but confronting our feelings with the truth of the Bible until they follow. It's confronting them. It's not a feeling. When I feel like I've forgiven, then I've forgiven. No, you just keep confronting those feelings with the truth. I'm a forgiver. I make a decision right now. I forgive in Jesus' name. I make a decision to forgive. Lord, help me to move on. Number four is this. It's an attitude that's revealed in our prayer life. You say, what do you mean by that? 
this is what I know, is when somebody wrongs me and I need to get to the point where I can pray that God bless them. That's what I got to do. You say, well, why do you do that? Because it gets to the root. It gets to the root. So, so I'll just, you know, can, can you say, well, oh, you know, you're like, oh yeah, I'm praying for him. I'm praying that the Lord takes him to heaven because it's more of a blessing to be there than down. No, no, that's not what I'm talking about. How many of you know what I'm saying? But can you in your life just stop and say, you know, okay, God, uh, and you say, well, I'm being dishonest because I really don't want God to bless him. Do it anyway. Just do it. Just stop and just start saying, maybe it's an act of faith. It gets to the root of unforgiveness. It gets to the root. You can't pray that for God to bless somebody and still have an unforgiving spirit and do it. And you say, well, it's fake. We'll just keep doing it till it doesn't feel fake anymore. How many of you know what I'm saying? Where you just stop and you just say, okay, I'm going to, it gets to the root. Sometimes we have to pray life-giving prayers to work the junk out of our own heart. Where we just got to, I mean, think about this for a moment. When Jesus was on the cross, he said this. He said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Now, this is my question. Was God having a problem with forgiveness? No, God wasn't. But Jesus had just been beaten within an inch of his life and crucified on a cross and had been through the most atrocious things. And on the inside of him, he had to stop and say, I am not breathing my last breath with an offense in my life toward all of these people who've done me wrong. Father, bless them. Father, forgive them. Father, help them. It was him stopping and saying, it it wasn't for God. It was Jesus after everything that had happened. And the last one, number five, is this. Forgiveness isn't the same as trust. It's not the same. And let me be clear. We want to trust people. We do. But whoever has broken trust must be willing to rebuild trust. They must be, your forgiveness is unconditional. You just say, I'm going to forgive them. Forgiveness is commanded, but trust is earned and it must be maintained. The Bible is full of verses that say things like this. Don't place confidence in an unfaithful person because you'll smart for it. You'll get burned for it. The Bible is full of those. You know, even Jesus, every life-giving relationship is based on trust. It's based, you trust the person. Jesus didn't trust everyone. So if not trusting somebody was sin, then Jesus sinned. Look at what it says in John 2, verse 24 and 25. It says, but Jesus didn't trust them because he knew about all, all about people. 
No one needed to tell him about human nature, for he knew what was in each person's heart. Let me be clear, is very simply, we want to trust people. We want to. But restoration is based on the acceptance of responsibility on their side, where maybe they've wronged, they did something, they accept responsibility. You forgive, you, you absolutely forgive, and, and you know the enemy comes in and says, well, if you really forgave, then you would forget about it. Sometimes that's true, but sometimes it's not true. Sometimes when you think about it, is you, God just did some incredible things in your heart through that situation, and you remember it, but the barbs are gone. The, the, the downward spiral, it's gone. See, our goal is to forget. Our goal is to forget about it. Our goal is to move on. You know, but, but I just want to, everyone stand up. I'm out of time. Maybe you're here today and based on some things that the, that, that the Lord did in your heart, you personally grew. God did some great things. That's awesome. But I wonder today if there's right now in your life, the Holy Spirit is blowing on. He's blowing on. He's blowing on an area. He's blowing on a person or maybe you still got a, a barb, you know, or maybe you just, maybe even, I've had people say to me, Christians, I'll never forgive them. I'm like, you're killing yourself. Joyce Meyer says it like this. Unforgiveness is like drinking poison, expecting the other person to die. That's what it is. And maybe today, I want us to just close our eyes for a moment. You're here today. And you say, you know what I realize? Right now, I just need to forgive him. I just need to. I want you right now to just agree with the Lord and make that decision. Just make the decision. Don't wait for a feeling, just make the decision. Maybe on the inside of you, even just say their name. Lord, I just, I forgive him. I forgive him right now. Maybe more than one person, I don't know. You say, I just, I forgive them. And next, Lord, is, Lord, we're asking you to do a work in our heart. To remove every barb, to remove anything that, the residue of that situation that pulls us in the wrong direction. Lord, we choose you today. We choose your way today. We realize that your word tells us that unforgiveness is a scheme. It's a tactic of the enemy to drag us down. And maybe today, Lord, I pray that all of us that are here, all those that are online, that Lord, they, that we would stop in our life and we would look. And God, that maybe what is the practical thing we can do right now to forgive? What is it? Maybe it's to pray for them. Lord, maybe it's to give them something. Maybe it's to do something. Whatever it is, but Lord, whatever you breathe on, we say yes to you. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can you say amen? amen. You know, I, I realize today is meat and potatoes message. Are you with me today? And then while you were eating your meat and potatoes, I slid some salad in. 
And you say, well, I don't usually eat salad. Today you did. Today you ate some salad. Why? Because God loves you. He cares about you. But I wonder today you're here and you've never given your heart to Christ. That's up to you. But I'm going to tell you, God's got better. He's got better. He created you. He loves you. He has a plan for your life. He's promised to order your steps. And he's promised to give you the ability to overcome anything that's thrown at your life and to get better through it. But it all starts with you realizing your primary purpose for creation is a relationship with him. And you're here today. God's not asking you to fix anything. He's asking you to surrender to him and give him your heart. I want to pray for you right where you're at. That's you. On the count of three, I want you to lift your hand and we're all going to pray together. One, two, three. Lift your hand to the Lord. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Thank you. I want to lead us all in this prayer. Say this with me. Jesus, I believe in your love and your grace. And I'm asking you, Forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. Be the Lord of my life. Lord, I go all in. I give you my past. I invite you into my present. And I desperately need you to lead my future. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Give everybody a shout.